Also, let's uh, just be so grateful today that we have a wonderful story at this Christmas season to be able to tell. And I want to share a little bit more this week about this out-of-the-world story, this out-of-the-world Christmas that, that, that we get a chance to tell again, not just in this season, but something that, that really moves through our heart and our life each and every week of the year to remember the wonderful story of Christmas. You know, when we think about the Christmas story, how amazing it truly is to realize how diametric, really, the, the story uh, is so opposite uh, when we think about how it all comes into play into our very own lives. I mean, if we think about it today, the Christmas story introduces us to this wonderful, amazing event that God left his place. God left his world, and he came into our world. I want you to, we're going to kind of do this each and every week. I want us to just stop and think about that for a minute. I recognize if you've been in church for a long time, or maybe you've heard this story a thousand times, we just kind of brush by that. But what a miraculous event to realize that God left his world and came into our world. I mean, it's just, it's so overwhelming when we think how good when we recognize that God was to us to not just phone it in or call it in, but came and, and enveloped what we were all about, what we were going through. In fact, it got a little bit more intense last week when we began to talk about what his world was all about. When we really unfolded from scripture what the splendor of heaven about it, about what it was like, about what the preparations even are going to be in the future. But we read the writings of John in the Revelation that God, by the Spirit, that he was able to get a, a perspective, a view of what was happening, of what was going on in heaven, and, and relates that to us in the Revelation. And last week, we talked about what the splendor of heaven is all about. I want you to, I want you to imagine it with me again. I want to review a little bit with, with you this morning, what the splendor of heaven. We realized last week that heaven is filled, it is filled with the glory of God. Somebody say amen today. You know, Mitch talked about a moment, did you feel God's presence here in this place? Can you imagine multiplying that by, I don't know, a million times of what the glory of the Lord is going to be in his world, right? If you can take the best of our experience and just amp it up. John got a picture to help us to realize that heaven is filled with the glory of God. It talks about the foundation stones of heaven, that those 12 walls are filled and covered with what we would count as the most precious of stones that we realize are the foundation of heaven. What we prize and what we glory so much is, is the underlayment, is the, the foundation, the, the ground covering of what heaven will be. John relates to us that the gates that are formed uh, into the throne room are formed from the pearls uh, uh, that, that adorn uh, the gateway into heaven. And then he relates to us that thousands upon thousands of angels are in joyful assembly around the throne of God. Somebody say, wow, with me today, right? The splendor of heaven. And it was in that moment that God, that Christ uh, uh, came to us. It was that world that he left to come into our world, that, to be a part of our existence, and to realize what it truly was that we needed. 
I want to spend the next couple of weeks in a passage from Luke chapter 2. In fact, Bailey told you that we gave you one moment to get on your phone or on your device to sign up for the banquet, but I'm going to give you another opportunity right now. Maybe if you have your Bibles, if you brought them with you today, or maybe, again, version, or you can jump on a Bible app that you might have on your phone, please, you can do that with me this morning. I want to take a little bit of a lengthier pas- uh, passage from Luke chapter 2, and I want it to be really the, the framework of these next couple of Sundays that we have together. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8, so that you can follow along with me in the reading of God's word. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not Be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel They were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, on heaven and on earth, and peace to those on whom which his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds then said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened in which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had been told to them about this child. Today I want to talk to you about the declaration of heaven and the decision of the the shepherds. We want to follow back through this passage and see what the declaration of heaven was then and what it means to you and I Today, So what was the declaration of heaven in the Christmas story? We read it just a moment ago. Let me read it for you one more time. It was the angels who came to the shepherds while they were out in the field that night. And there are a couple of things that I want to highlight with you this morning that will be really the truth and the lesson for us to to move inside of us and to, to work through in this Christmas season. The angel said this to the shepherds. First of all, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news that will cause, the second thing, great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, there is a Savior that has been born to you. And the third thing that I want to bring out in this story to you today is that he is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, if not only the Christmas story is so amazing and such an important role in the life in which we live today, it's not that it's only of one declaration, but this declaration that the shepherds received that night, when we look back in the story, was actually the fourth declaration of the coming of the Christ child and the challenge of what Christmas would be of God leaving his world 
and coming into our world. And I want to move back through those four declarations with you this morning and how that can change and how that can bring substance into your heart and my life in this Christmas season today. If we go back a chapter into Luke chapter 1, we read about the first declaration, the first announcement about what the Christmas story was going to be for you and I. We read of the angelic announcement to Zechariah. Zechariah was a, a priest who ministered in the temple. And this was what the angel of the Lord came and said to him. And there on the altar, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife, were of the tribe of Aaron, the priestly tribe. And it came to be this day that uh, as they were going through their assignments, their duties as, as priests in the temple, that the Bible says that the lot was drawn, that it would be Zechariah's opportunity to go into the holy place, to go into the place in the temple that represented the presence of God. Most of the, to the public that they were not allowed to be ushered into, only the priest would be representatives of the people before God. And the Bible says that they moved among themselves that day and the lot fell to Zechariah to go in to the holy place. I don't know back in the day what they were drawing lots meant. Maybe it was uh, rock, paper, scissors that day, right? And, and for uh, the, the cause that came that Zechariah won the decision that it now became his turn to go into the holy place. And there, as he began to go and offer offerings on behalf of the people, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord showed up in that moment. And there he stood on the right side of the altar of incense. Altar of incense was known uh, in the temple placement is the, the place where the prayers and the worship of God would be ascending to heaven. So it was in this moment of worship, it was in this moment of, of the aspect of the praise of heaven surrounding that as Zechariah went about, and I guess what I want to share in all of these instances with you today, as Zechariah was going about his ministry, as he was going about his day, little did he realize that heaven was going to show up at his door that day. And I want you to keep the expectancy of God's power and God's presence in your life even today. As we sang about today, as God was faithful, as God was active back then, that I want us to live in this sense of anticipation that God's showing up, that heaven's showing up can still be a reality for you and I today. As Zechariah was going around his daily dime of ministry, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came and appeared to him. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, and here again, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier, part of our story today, the first thing that the angel said to him was, fear not, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son and you shall call his name John, we will know him later in scripture as John the Baptist. And you shall have, again, the second thing that I ask you to remember, you shall have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And he shall go out with the power and the spirit of Elijah, and he will make ready, because soon one day the Lord, the Messiah, is going to come. He didn't know in that moment, but 
down the road that John would have the opportunity to introduce the Messiah to the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who has come to bring his presence to save people from their sins. John was to be a sign, a messenger, that the Messiah, that the Lord was coming. And I believe that that expected moment. And I want to remind you today that I believe that that is what God still has for you and I as we move through this Christmas season. To realize that there can be unexpected moments where the power and the presence of God can show up in your life. And I think that as God's people today, a God that left his world, that came into our world, that we should get up every morning with that same sense of expectation. God, show up in my life. Show up in my family. Show up in my moment today to know that you have a sign for me, that you have a moment for me to receive. And what we'll find out would even seem impossible that, God, that you can make it a reality in my life today. And then we read of the second angelic announcement, and that was to a young girl by the name of Mary. Just a few verses later in Luke chapter 1, we read, and it was in the sixth month where the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And again, as the angel came to her, again, remember our, our, our points this morning. The angel came to Mary, and the first thing that he said was, fear not. Now, be ready, because I'm going to quiz you in a couple of minutes, all right? How many are getting the points today, all right? The first thing that he said to Mary was, fear not, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Again, another unexpected moment of this young girl in maybe her everyday life realizing when she woke up that day, never in her wildest imagination would she have an angelic encounter and to recognize what was about to take place, how her life was going to be radically changed in that moment. And again, I want to challenge us in this day in which we are living, that God's voice, that God's direction, that God's moments for you and for, for me, they are not over, but they are looking to provide unexpected moments of anticipation for you and I to know that God still wants to speak to his people, that God still wants to speak to his church, that God still wants to involve us in his plan of helping spreading the gospel, spreading the good news in our world today. And then we see the third, the angelic announcement to Joseph. Now, some of you that maybe have been around church for a little while recognize that there was quite a bit of confusion in the idea of this announcement that had come to Mary that she would carry the, the Son of God and that, that it would come by way of the Holy Spirit. But, but if we just take pause for just a moment to realize what was swirling around in the life of Mary and Joseph in that moment, that, that the, the times of, of engagement, the, the wedding procession is much different in an Eastern culture and certainly in the biblical time than it is for you and I today. So oftentimes in many of these cultures, 
that, that marriages could be arranged or families could, could, could unite together and bring their, their sons and their daughters together. And so much like a, a dowry or, or a deposit would have been this engagement moment, a promise that, that uh, there was going to be a time coming where there will be a wedding, but, but at this point you will be classified or, or termed that, that you are married without the ceremony at this point. And so this is the occasion that Mary and Joseph had found themselves. And when we read the story and, and wonder what is all the, the confusion about when Mary obviously found herself pregnant is that they were, they were engaged to be married and the, the community looked at that as being married. But, but the ceremony, the, the bridegroom had still not come for the bride. We, we see this story being told a little later when Jesus told the story of the ten virgins, that, that they were waiting in anticipation because oftentimes the, the engagement or the betrothal would take place. The, 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 for all intents and purposes, the marriage would, would be announced to the community, but then the groom would go, and whether he had land on his father's property or that he would set out on his own to build a compound, to build property, to build a house, he would make everything ready so that when the ceremony would take place, that they would be able to move in and have a place from three to 12 months for that to take place. And Jesus told us the story is the bride would every day be ready because she didn't know. She couldn't anticipate when that day. It was a surprise to take place that that's what it would be like when God comes back, that there would be five virgins who allowed their oil to run out and they begged of the others and they said that, that we were foolish and that, that, that we realized that we knew the, the, the bridegroom and, and thinking of the days to come that when Jesus comes back that we've all said, well, we're going to be ready, we're going to be ready. But we realized that of the ten, five of them were not ready. And they went into town to get more oil. And as they were gone, the trumpets began to blare, that the groom would now prepared and ready to come for those, that the wedding celebration would take place, that the gates and the doors would be closed, and those who were out would not be allowed to come in. And that's the predicament that Mary and Joseph found themselves in. And although the angel had said to Mary, you are going to carry this child, it will come to you by way of the Holy Spirit, Joseph did not know that until this moment. And so the angel shows up to Joseph. And behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. And what was the first thing that the angel said to Joseph? Are you ready? He said what? Yeah, fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You see, the reason why I gave you a little bit of backstory is because this would have been scandalous in this time in the Bible. How is it that Mary was pregnant because Joseph was out of town? Joseph was in a, a, a place of preparation, and then all of a sudden, his wife is now pregnant. There is a visual sign that something must have taken place apart from the, the promise that was made for them to be husband and wife. And if you know the story, it would have been right for a, a husband, a betrothed husband in that moment to divorce his wife or to cancel the, the arrangement. And that would have caused great scandal community in the well. And so Joseph was finding himself in a dilemma about how all of this had taken place. But there was a declaration of heaven 
over him as well. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son. And you shall give him the name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. You see, in this announcement, there were two major things that the angel brought to Joseph, truths that we must understand in the story as well. First of all, is that the baby was going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by another man. God wanted to give Joseph the assurance that what was taking place, as unbelievable, as out of this world as this story could be, that it was being orchestrated by the hand of God. That man would not be involved in this process, but this would be a godly thing. That he could have assurance in his life. The community was not going to understand. The gossip mill was going to be running full out. But Joseph, you can stand strong when all of the other voices come against you. When all of the other voices would cause you to question, I am providing you a foundation in which to stand that this is a God thing that he is doing over you and over your life. And I want you to know that when you step out, when God gives you a word or when God gives you a direction, Christmas provides for you and I that very same truth today. Listen, when God gives us something that is above and beyond, there are always going to people that are going to question. The gossip mill will always rage at 100%. But when we hear from God, when we get the word of God or the work of God in our life, You see, and that's what God has for us in the troubled times in which we are living. Listen, if this is not a moment, if this is not a platform for the church to arise, for the believer to arise, when we see craziness that is happening unfounded around the world, what are we going to do? Can I tell you that God has already given the church a word, God has already given his people a word, that he is bringing the Son of God. No matter what they say, God has a word for you and I to let us know that it is well with our soul that we hear the voice and the message of God louder than the confusion of the world that is around us. The second thing that the angel reveals to Joseph is that he would give the baby the name Jesus, for it would represent, for he will come to save his people from their sins. I want to just share just a moment about how different that would have been in that moment. You see, most times in humanity, and certainly in this time, this biblical time, we name our kids to confirm the past, right? So my dad, his name was James Carson Grove. And and when I was born, his only son, he gave me the name James Carson Grove II. That's what's on my birth certificate. There was a slight change in that because of my grandmother. I, my middle name took on her maiden name. She was Hazel Carson. But my grandfather, my father's dad, was James Alfred, and the father before him was James Alfred as well. There are generations of James in our family. But But it moved to our particular part of the lineage as to James Carson. When when we had our first son, our first child, a son, I've told you this before over the years, there was a lot of pressure from my father to Debbie and I, mainly to Debbie, right? 
is that you have no option when this male child is born in your home because we see a legacy, right, that is birthed on what? The past. There is James Carson the first. There is James Carson the second. And there will be a James Carson the third. And we had our first child, and it was a son. And my father was already writing in the birth certificates right before we had an opportunity to get there. Because in our humanity, more times than not, we confirm the past. But what the angel was helping Joseph to realize that through his son, there would be a future. You see, I'm sure that Joseph was already began to anticipate about how all this was going to play. And I'm sure that his mind was swirling of all of these different pieces that were coming about. But when he heard that he was going to have a son and that it would be a part of the lineage of his family, the angel stepped in and said, Joseph, we're not talking about the past anymore. We're not talking about what what your family line is going to do. God is going to rewrite your past. God is going to take away all the bumps and all the challenges. And God is not only going to give you, but he's going to give the entire world a brand new future. And I want some of you to hear me today, that some of us look at some of the difficulties that we have lived, some of the difficulties that we are living, that oftentimes it's our past that stops us from not only living a a, a wonderful present, but seems to eliminate our future. And I want you to know when the angel made a declaration to Joseph that day, Joseph, we're going to take you out of the equation, and we're not going to think about what the names are going to be in what's going past, but we're going to bring a new name into the equation that's going to wipe away the past, that's going to stop all of the chains that seem to stop you, and we are going to provide the name, a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, amen, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to proclaim, I can shout to my past that it is finished, that it is over, that it doesn't define me, but I have a name now to build a brand new foundation on that's going going forward from this day. Amen. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, this declaration to Joseph not only meant something to him, but it means everything to you and I today as well. And then finally, we read of the fourth declaration in our Christmas story, and that, as we have read today, was the angelic announcement to the shepherds. In the announcement to each of these four characters, I mentioned to you earlier, there are three declarations that they said to each of our characters today. They are gifts, I believe, that God wants each and every one of us to receive by way of this incredible story today. These declarations were not just to be a part of the story, but they were to be a part of your story. They were to be a part of our story today. You see, I believe that heaven is still declaring its presence, its power, its gift, its touch, its anointing over our lives today. It's a wonderful story for us certainly to tell on Christmas Day and to tell to our children. But can I tell you more than anything today, adults in this room, it is a story for you and I to live out in our lives each and every day. The declaration of heaven, I declare over your life and my life today. The declaration about this Christ child that was going to come to us to out of his world and into our world today. But can I say it even more in depth with you this morning? Out of his world 
into your world today. Into your world today. For as many of us that fill these seats throughout this auditorium today, every one of our stories is different. Every one of our presence is not only vastly different, but, but our paths as well. But you see, it's in this moment of receiving the declaration of heaven over our lives gives every one of us an opportunity to change the future, to change our line, to change our moment, to change the truth of what the story can bring to you and I. You see, that first declaration, I want to pray and I want to declare over everyone here today was that the angel came to each one of these, and that declaration was, fear not. Fear not. Fear not, church. Fear not, believer. Fear not one who is here today saying, man, I don't know, I don't know all about this story. I don't, I don't know about how all this ties together. Let me declare over you today, fear not. You see, I think when we read the story, it certainly makes sense. I mean, I guess if Gabriel showed up at our door, we'd be a bit freaked out, right? Zechariah was just going about his daily duty. He was just going into the temple like he had done time and time again. But on this moment, God showed up. God had a word. I wonder, again, in our moment of expectation, are we anticipating, are we open for God to show up in our daily routine? Are we ready for God to speak his truth, speak his words into our life? You see, I'll try to help you with a little bit of an illustration I think that we can all jump in on. It's been an amazing journey for me over this last year to be able to work with the Erie Police Department. It's been a huge learning curve, and, and there have been so many kind of cool things and truths and lessons that have happened. And, and one of them I realized not too long ago, I, I get down every so often and usually jump in the car with one of the guys and, and ride along. Most of the time, I'm with Sergeant Atella, and, and, and we're just kind of going through and, and, and where, where the journey is going to take us for that day. And, and I kind of, I had kind of this cool opportunity to to look at like traffic and driving from, from the other side of the story. How many can relate? You're just kind of going through your everyday kind of deal. You're out driving and all of a sudden a police car pulls in and starts following behind you. Are you with me today? Right? I mean, for most of us, right, it's like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? And you're recounting, right, all of your driving sins and, right, your, your daily deals and, you know, like, you know, am I, is, do I have inspection? Like, is my registration up to date? Like, are the kids seat belted? Like, you know, am I going the speed limit, right? We, are, we just kind of go through like a thousand things, right? And, and it's kind of, again, it's been such a cool journey being, being on the other side, being in the car now, right? And, and I've picked up, I've noticed as we're driving along, like people 
people are like zipping by us, right, while we're in the police car. All of a sudden, as they go by us and realize, all of it, ooh, right? I mean, right back to the speed limit, right? They're using their turn signals like there's no tomorrow, right? Like, they're not turning for a mile and a half, but boy, that left, that blinker is on. Like, just letting you know, I'm using my blinker, right? They're following the rules. They're doing everything. And I'll give you a little bit of a tip. More times than not, while all that is going on, Sergeant Atella and myself, we're talking about our fantasy football draft and team and, and who we're going to replace and, and everything that's going on, right? And we kind of look while we're driving, like, why is this guy going so slow? What is going on? Why is he doing the speed limit, right? Like, what is happening, right? We realize that there's such a different thing, right? Or we're talking like, hey, you want to stop for lunch? Where do you want to go, right? That's what's happening most of the time inside the police car, right? Now, just for some of you that drive throughout the city of Vera, I will preface by saying most of the time, all right? So if you go too crazy, I'm sure you might see the lights pop on. But I realize the aspect that when these things happen, what, what grips our heart in those moments? Fear, right? Like, what's wrong? What, what, where's trouble? What, what's going to take place? You see, if there is ever a time in which we need to be reminded to fear not, it's today. You know, Debbie and I talked to couples who might be struggling in their marriage, and one of the things that we talk about are if we're going to do one of our, our seminars, when's the best time to work on your marriage? When things are in a disastrous state? or when things are going well? Well, the answer is when things are going well, right? Right, most of the time, by the time people come to talk to Debbie and I, like it's been bad for a long time. And so, and so now it's just kind of crisis management, right? It's conflict resolution, it's, it's big and, and hard stuff. But, but if we could try to help people to realize that, that we work on our relationships, on our marriage, when, when things are going well, that, that it will limit the times that we find ourselves in crisis mode. And so we find ourselves in this moment today, and, and my fear is of the church when we realize of the chaos and all the struggle that is going on, that we have God's people. We have the church running around wondering, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with fear because we've allowed ourselves, not in the moments, to be able to trust God every day for what God is doing in our lives, but all of a sudden, once the cop car shows up behind us, now we're all panicked, and now we don't know what to do because we haven't been doing it all the time to now. And so I want you to know that as we find ourselves in these perilous times, it has got to be the time where the church is arise, where the church is awakened, where the church is ready to go, where the lights are flashing, where the sirens are going on to help people to know the Messiah is on his way. Fear not. Hear me today, church. The currency of heaven is not fear, but that of peace but that of peace. You see, I realize that we find ourselves in times of chaos, and if you do not have peace in what is going on and you are filled with fear, then there is a moment for you, again, to come in contact with the Messiah, with the Savior, with Jesus, who has come land that he had nothing to know. He had nowhere to go. He had no family. God sent him out, and God gave him peace. 
Abraham could have been filled with fear. Moses, when he stood before the the burning bush and heard the voice of God and realized that this was holy ground, he was filled with fear to recognize this is the power, the presence of God. And again, God showed up to Moses and said, peace I give to you. When Joshua was taking the reins of Moses and leading the people into the promised land, you could read in Joshua chapter 1 over and over and over again, God said to Joshua, fear not, be strong and courageous as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Hey, Joshua, let me remind you again, be strong and courageous, fear not. You see, the currency of heaven is not fear, but it is peace, amen? When Daniel was going to face the, the, the lion's den, he wasn't... He He wasn't nervous. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't scared. Why? Because he had the peace of heaven, the peace of God in his heart ruling. Listen, there are going to be lions that we are going to face, and God doesn't need a church filled with people that are fearful and afraid, but one that has the power and the peace of heaven in their souls in this life. Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, people that were going to announce this great gospel event. Again, the first thing that heaven declared over their lives was fear not. Listen, I'm going to close this morning and pray over you today. And I wonder for those areas that I want to pray this declaration over your lives. Those who feel, again, where fear constantly wins. Can I tell you, heaven has something to say about that today. Heaven has, heaven has a, a, a word. Heaven has an outreach to you today. God has peace that he wants to put over your lives. To operate in the supernatural, to do great exploits for the kingdom, to receive the hope of heaven will challenge us to move out of fear and into faith. You see, we read later in Luke chapter 21, we, we are challenged with these all these crazy things that are happening in the world. We're seeing biblical prophecy. We're seeing things begin to happen today like like never before. And again, I want to remind you, the Bible says this, and we shall soon see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, when a world like we are living in right now, we're where we are seeing these things happening on a, on a regular basis, the Bible tells us what, look up, lift up your heads. It doesn't ask us to cower into fear. It doesn't ask us to run around like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do, Pastor Jim? The Bible says when we see the chaos that is happening in the world around us today, what, look up, lift up your head for what? Our redemption is drawing nigh. The same God that came to us then is a God who is going to come in power and authority. He is gonna declare his truth in the world. Every eye will see, every tongue to confess. The second thing I wanna share with you today is not only a declaration that we are to fear not, but that we can live in exceeding great joy, that we can live in the joy of the Lord. The Bible tells us what our strength is what? In the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord shall be my strength. Today, I bring you good news that will cause great joy to who? To, look at it, to who? To all people. Listen, If there is another thing that our world needs today is to have the assurance of joy in their soul. You see, the difference is is that most of the time we equate to getting through everyday experiences life is that are we happy? 
Are we happy? But how many know there is a great difference between joy and happiness, right? Happiness we get from the root of happenstance, circumstance, and we realize that we can certainly live up and down based on the good or the not so good things that happen in our life. We can be happy and then it can be taken away, right? Our happiness is based on with what? Exceeding grace doesn't want us happy. The Bible wants us to be filled with what? Exceeding great joy. Joy in the opposite to happiness is, is that I have this sense of assuredness. I have this peace in my life based on no matter what circumstance around me is going on, my feet are anchored to the rock that shall not be sifted. There There is nothing that is going to detract me, but I have joy no matter what circumstance I'm in. Listen, I'm telling you, there are people in the church today because they're not grounded in the word, because they're not connected right to the fellowship when the chaos that is happening in the world, they think they're going to be okay, but let me tell you, they're going to lose it. Why? Because they're based on, listen, what pleases me, what makes me happy, what choices are going to be all about me. And when I tell you when the flames get turned up higher, it's not going to go well for those that are hoping to be happy. It's only going to endure for those who have exceeding great joy. No matter if it's good, no matter if it's bad, my eyes eyes are still on God, his message, his messenger, and it's still going to be well with my soul. Joy, exceeding joy. For who? For all people. Isn't that wonderful for us? That not only is that good news for us, but how many know for those that don't even know right now, they need joy, that God has joy for them. Joy is not temporary. It's not based on circumstance. Hear me today. Joy is a belief. Joy is a belief that even when I don't see it, you're working. Joy says, even when I don't feel it, come on, church, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. You see, I can have joy when I know. Listen, I don't like the circumstances I'm in. I don't like what I woke up to. I don't like what I'm facing today. But guess what? I know, I believe that God is still working. He's still working. He's never gonna stop. He's never gonna stop. He's never going to stop working. Why? Because that's the joy that God put in my soul to realize I can't base my life on circumstances. I will be a yo-yo, and God is calling me to be a pillar. God is calling me to be a rock on the things that God has for me today. You see, God doesn't want you to just have Christmas joy. He wants you to not only have daily joy, but he wants you to have eternal joy. What did John see there when I looked into heaven thousands upon thousands of angels in what? In joyful, in joyful declaration. You see, the angels who have nothing that God did to provide for you and I, they were just creations to him to serve in heaven But God gave you and I his son, and they recognize that our ministry, our life is to be in heaven in joyful anthem around the throne. How much more 
can I tell you, you're missing out. If you're waiting for heaven to, to, to be joyful, man, are you missing out on what Christ came for, that you can have daily joy. Our daughter Jocelyn, one of the characters, characteristics that, that really has been prophesied over her life, and I think that, that, that we affirm over her, has been joy. When we sent her to ministry school, the, the, the lead leaders, uh, they had a, a prayer time, and, and there were students gathered around the front, and maybe 50 or 60 students at the time, and, 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 and the, the lady that was leading the service that day kind of stopped everything and just kind of went right to Jocelyn. And at that moment, probably the first time maybe that, that she had felt like from, from someone other than whom she knew spoke a word, a prophetic word over her life, and, and the word was joy. She said, you're filled with joy and to continue. And, and I think that most of you that have been around here long enough know that, that in most occurrences, that, that when you come in contact with Jocelyn, there's just this spirit about her. There's this joyful moment. Listen, her mom and dad know that's not all the time, right? But, but most of the time, she has this presence of joy. And we agree, we affirm that, that word that was spoken over her life. We had a chance just two Sundays ago to be with her as she's now serving in a church um, in Massachusetts. And, and she's now working at the church and she's helping to administrate the office. And, and she sits at the top of the steps. And while we were there, the pastor was, was actually had preached all year through the book of Romans and found himself in Romans 14 and, and in Acts chapter 15, and he was, he was talking about the need of how, how much for you and I at times we can struggle with joy. And, and he's leading a, a, a massive church, and I mean, things are going just incredible, but he just kind of revealed, he's just kind of honest with the church. He said, listen, like Mondays, mornings, like I'm, I'm not a morning guy. Like I, I hate to get started in the morning, and, and, and their church offices are on a second floor. You have to walk up like two flights of stairs just to get to the office. Listen, if that was me, I would be in a bad mood every morning as well, Right? Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, who, who did the floor plan of this church, right? And he, he has to go to the, and, and, he, and he said this in the service. He said, I have to climb up two sets of flights of steps. And when I get to the top, who's the first person that he has to look at? It's exactly Jocelyn's desk, her office right there. And there she is every morning. Good morning, Pastor Marco. Isn't it a wonderful day? And he said, and, and we talked to Jocelyn after the story. He doesn't even respond to her, and he confessed all this. He said, I don't even respond to Jocelyn. I just, like, look at her, turn and walk down the hallway to my office, and he said, and I pray for, like, a half hour, like, God help me today, right? And then I come back. Hello, Jocelyn, how are you, right? He says, like, who put her there? <laughs> like, little do we know, right, the moments that we have in life that represent the challenge for us to live in a spirit of joy, that we find joy. Can I ask you to do something more? Not just find joy, but to share joy. This past week, Debbie and I, we took a bunch of angels off the angel tree, and man, we've had a crazy busy week. You've heard about the, man, this massive kids event that happened here yesterday, and just how amazing that was, and we got home and had stuff to do, and then we realized the angel tree gifts were due today. And she looked at me late in the afternoon. She's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, we're going to go. And I can tell you that as we went, and we do it every year, there is such a sense of joy that I get 
in going to buy those gifts for angel kids. Because I, I, we don't know who they are. We, we, we know the overall situation, the circumstance. Angel Tree works with parents that are, are incarcerated. They're in prison. These kids are not going to know a, a parent at Christmas this year. And so we are surrogates on behalf of a mom or a dad. We go out. And yesterday, as Debbie and I were out shopping, and, and again, like in our own natural feeling, like we, like we were tired, we, we were struggling. But yet, as, as that moment went on, I felt like the joy of the Lord. And, you know, as we walk through the aisles and pick stuff, and it's difficult, there, there's not a ton of description, right? You what these kids want, and it's tough. And I just felt like Debbie was... Debbie was holding up stuff and whatever. I don't know if you realize it or not, Deb. But she, and, and I just said, yep. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yep, get it. Like, like fortunately, we weren't near the jewelry aisle at the moment. But she's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, yep. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how many we buy. I don't care what it is. Yep. 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 Why? Because I was filled with joy. I was filled with joy. Can I tell you, how many of your answers are no? Not now. I'm not ready. What? You see, God has spoken to you, whether to do things or to be things, to go things, to share. And what is our first response? Uh, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that. Like we're filled with excuses. But can I tell you, when you are filled with joy, do you know what your answer is? Yep. Yep, do it again. He's never done. God wants to do this. God wanted to. Yep, yep. I want. Listen, it's not going to be easy. It's not. It's going to be hard. You're going to get bruised. You're going to get challenged. People are going to talk. People are going to wonder, like, how did Mary get? How did she get pregnant? You were. Yep, 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 yep. Why? Because I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. Because He's never. He's never stopped working, and He wants to do His plan through you and through me. So I want to declare over you the joy of the Lord. Listen, you think it's easy? It's not. You think it's easy? It's not. Is it necessary? By a million. Hey, God, you're not done. You're not finished working in my life. Let me give you this last thing. The last declaration that the angels made was that the Lord is coming. That one day we are going to see the Savior the Messiah. Here's one little truth. I'll, I'll go quick with this. You see, it's all about influence. It's all about influence, not being inundated. You see, I think so much of Christmas, we're just inundated, right? We're, 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 trying, to get, we're trying to get it all in. We're trying to do it all. But I want you to know in the midst of that, it's not about the all. It's about the one. It's about the influence. You see, the view of the Messiah at that moment is that Israel wanted a world leader. They wanted a military general. They wanted someone to lead them to political prominence. That's what they wanted. That's what they were hoping for when they heard the Messiah is coming. But think of it with me. When he was born, hardly anybody showed up. I mean, is that not crazy? God, God, leaves his world and comes into our world, and there's nobody. I mean, there's a couple of shepherds. Hello? 
I mean, most of you, if you know, the wise men didn't even show up for a couple of years. They, there weren't any gifts from the Magi at the manger. Sorry to burst your bubble on that. Go take your nativity and throw it out or rebuild it, all right? They didn't show up for a couple of years. There was nobody. How crazy is that? He wasn't inundated. It's influence. When John the Baptist declared, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can I tell you? Nobody followed him. There wasn't a rush. There wasn't a crowd. Jesus didn't have to rent out the convention center. He didn't have to get a block of rooms at the downtown Sheridan because so many people were following him. True, some of John, he just like told his followers, like, hey, if you want to go, go. But how many know Jesus had to go out and find his own disciples? He wasn't inundated, but it's what? It's influence. It's true. He drew some crowds. Oh, yeah. I'll give you. Well, what about the 5,000, Pastor Jim? Absolutely. But just continue the story. When Jesus started to preach what the kingdom of heaven is all about, what does it go on to say? And from that day, the crowds no longer followed him. Why? Because what he had to say There was going to be a cost. You see, things haven't changed much in the last 2,000 years. Our churches are going to be filled to overflowing on Christmas Eve. But they'll be back to being empty the next Sunday. Oh, we want to talk about a Messiah. We want to talk about a Son of God. But when we hear what it's going to entail, it's not about being inundated. It's about being influenced. It's about you and I saying, what am I going to do with this God of heaven? This one that has come to me. I'm going to ask the band to come and help me. You see, the decision that the shepherds had made that day was that they chose to believe what the angels had told them. And then they went and they saw what seemed to be unbelievable come to pass before their very eyes. He said, the last thing that I want to declare over you this morning is this challenge to believe. That even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it in the moment, that you are not going to live a life of happiness, but that you're going to be challenged to live a, a life of joy. Of joy unspeakable. Full of glory. Zachariah and Elizabeth in their story, it says, we're old. <laughs> we're well beyond our years to have children. And besides, Elizabeth, past time, we've never been able to have a kid, and we are way past time to have a child. But how many know you don't say that to an angel of God? Because even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Mary was a young virgin girl, but the Bible says that she pondered everything the angel had told her in her heart. How can these things be? Because God is with you. You have found favor. Joseph, he should have been the laughing stock of Nazareth. He should have divorced her. But he didn't. He protected her. He became her covering. Why? 
because the angel let him know we're not talking about the past anymore, Joseph. We're talking about the future. And even though you don't see it, even though you don't understand it, God is still working and he's never going to stop. And he's never going to stop. The shepherds could have easily said, are we being punked? Like how is it that, that all of heaven shows up to us and we become the messengers? Because he's simply looking for a heart that is willing to believe that there is a God of the impossible that can do anything through you, in you, and with you. See, before I pray over you today, I want you to realize had the great religious leaders of the day showed up in Bethlehem and stepped into that barn, into that stable, into the manger, that feeding trough where supposedly the Messiah, the leader, was to be born, do you know what they would have done? They would have walked right out. (laughs) There's no way. We don't accept this. But God spoke to shepherds who fully understood their world. And they became carriers of the message, the gospel of heaven. Listen, if you know Jesus today, thank a shepherd. Because they believed And when they saw they struggling with fear today, then believe, believe that God is working in your life. Believe that God has victory over your life and go and spread the news that he's a chain breaker. He opens prison walls. He declares freedom for his people. Listen, if you're struggling with joy today, if you just seem up and down all the time because you're living on shifting sand and you need to step onto the rock of Christ today, then believe for you today. And can I ask us today, let's not get caught up in seeming the earthly Christmas story, but let's be shepherds of the gospel and believe and go and tell this wonderful story, the hope that has come to all humanity.